Podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and we would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and contact information. Or just email us at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Everyone, and welcome to Time Shifters Podcast. This is Christopher. I am here with Tom in studio. In studio. This oh is God. awesome. I know, right? This is... <laughs> I, can, I can see you. It's almost like you're here. I, I know. This is the most incredible like virtual reality experience I've ever had. Folks, this is our 3D episode. <laughs> 3D for us. As if this weekend couldn't get any better with me. I get to go and uh, hang out and meet... Uh, new friends and hang out with old friends at Monster Bash, and then I get to That's come home cool. and sit right across from you and isn't record in the studio. It, it is, it's a dream come true, isn't it? It is. <laughs> no, this is fantastic. I I have not done this since uh, since Matt was host. I mean, it's a couple of years now. So well, and I haven't been in person for a recording since before I wasn't even a <laughs> yeah <laughs> a member of the show. <laughs> right. Right. Um, as I mentioned, I was at the Monster Bash in Mars, Pennsylvania. I Very just, suitable location. I just had to go. I mean, finally, it's been two years since I've been to a bash. You yeah. know, the bash two years ago was officially canceled. Last year was still a little, was a whole lot not cool. <laughs> well, and you had your heart broken over the, the other convention, the Denver. Yeah. Then, of course, Denver Starfest, you know, closed their doors uh, right. without me. Right. <laughs> so I yeah, I had to go to Monster Bash and a good portion of the you know, the family mm-hmm. uh wasn't there unfortunately. They couldn't make it That's for a, shame. a variety of reasons. Uh some pandemic, some just medical, some just financial. There was it's not everything meets everyone's time and place. <laughs> exactly. But there was still a bunch of us there, and it was great to actually sit down and meet face-to-face or mask-to-mask, as the case may be. <laughs> statue to statue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a great time. It was a, I think the bash itself was probably a little more subdued than yeah. past years. I, I, don't, I think the crowds were a little lighter, uh, which is to be expected because I think— you Things know, are still ramping up. Uh, it's going to take a while, and this our pandemic's not over. The pandemic's not over, and yeah, uh, just the prices to get anywhere is a little uh, little pricey for a lot of people. There too. is that, yes. But you they, mean gas isn't the yeah, cheapest ever? They moved location. They moved to like a, a different hotel, it was just a few miles away from the old hotel, and this hotel was fine, but some of the spaces were a little smaller. They, they took some photos of like. Yeah. What I thought was going to be like the the dealer room, and it yeah. was like, wow, it's huge! This right. is fantastic, or whatever. <laughs> that wasn't the dealer room. <laughs> that was just their the, the actual like uh, creepy classics, the uh, actual monster bash that where they sell their stuff. They had the big common area 
that was their space. Yeah. The dealer room was smaller than the other dealer, the old dealer room. Was it smacking of the old nights in uh, Star Trek conventions <laughs> we used to go to in Kentucky? Yeah, a little bit like that. <laughs> like, oh, wow, it's the size of a basement. Yeah, so it was actually... <laughs> It was actually kind of nice that the crowd wasn't as, you know, as full as it was because there just wasn't as much. You'd space be too for packed everybody. in at that point. Yeah, so, so it wasn't bad. And for me anymore, going to the Monster Bash, like I have said before, is really about getting together with the the Bash family because mm-hmm. none of us live within a few hundred miles of right. each other, and to all meet there and have a good time and just sit around and talk. And, you know, sometimes we talk about movies and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just talk. And <laughs> It's funny how that works. And well, that's the point of uh, all the stuff that we follow anyways. It's intended to lead to other conversation. Exactly. And, you know, and like I said, made some new friends, some new podcaster friends, yep. uh, some new just friends that were just there. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. I, I, I had a lot of fun. It was a really nice weekend. I stayed up way too late, drank way too much Mountain Dew. I'm, I think I'm still coming down from all the Mountain Dew that I drank. That's right, folks. You know we're old when Mountain Dew is the hard stuff that you hit. <laughs> well, I do not do, when I am there at the conventions, I do not do the alcohol <laughs> because I'll just fall asleep in some lobby somewhere. Yeah, I've never been that that guy that uh, you use a, a, any kind of alcohol or substance and find that that just gives you more oomph. Uh, it's not me. No, it's a great no. way to go to sleep faster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, so I, I I do the caffeine. The caffeine and candy is kind of my my jam when I'm at these things. <laughs> so I had a lot of that. You know, go full twelve year old. Ate ate like crap. Uh, <laughs> we all. Went out. A few of us went out, and uh, there was an Indian restaurant not too far. And uh, like, I oh, will go down there and try that. And I'm like, I don't really want a big meal. And I'll just get a couple appetizers. And so I got some vegetable samosas, and I got this thing called what they, what they call it, like a chicken sixty five or something like that. I don't know why they called it that. Not great at the Indian. But then food. I'm I'm sitting down there at the uh, with the, they got the plates and everything, and then I look at my stuff and I realize everything on my plate is deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, this is going to sit well. <laughs> yeah. No, no, light meal. Light meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, good times there. Uh, you have to get the 3,000-calorie taco salad. Yeah. I was actually amazed my you know, pants still fit by the time I got home because, <laughs> yeah, it was those kind of meals. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. Well, you see, you justify with all the walking around at the convention that you have to do. Which I did. and <laughs> And – Walking around and especially walking around people who are trying to sell you stuff. Uh, I did come back with a couple of trinkets, a few things. Yeah, not as much as I could have. Uh, there was uh, you know, uh, Mark Maddox was there. Of course, he's got the uh, he did the uh, uh, my robot monster that looks okay. down on us every time when I record. And that that one there is probably like his least best. You know, oh, I, mean, wow. I mean, he's amazing. His his artwork shows up on Blu-rays. It shows up in magazine covers. It, his stuff is amazing. And I got there, and right sitting in front is a uh, a new print that he did of uh, uh, with uh, the crawling eye. Oh no way! I'm like, oh, that damn. must have been hard to walk away from. So I just kind of I didn't get it right away. And then by the next day, it was gone, and I just oh. didn't say anything because I was afraid he might have another. Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't buy one. Next time, Mark, I think if, if, if you have another one of those, I probably will. But you know, he he'd take a signed one as a gift to the show. 
And yes, uh, many movies. I have some more Santo films. Because uh, you love those Santo films. I do like the Luchador films. I like the Santo and Blue Demon. Uh, so I did pick up a few more of those. And a few more just uh, hard to find. Uh, the, there's a Turkish film called Three Dev Adam. Okay. Or Three Giant Men. And it is Captain America oh. teaming up with Santo. Yeah. Battling the evil Spider-Man. The evil Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. All of this, of course, is unsanctioned, unlicensed by absolutely everybody. Well, of course. And it is ridiculous. <laughs> it used to, you used to be able to find it floating around online. It was even on Amazon Prime for a little while, oh my which God. is the first place I saw it. Yeah. And then it just disappeared. Can't and it's just why. gone. I haven't been able to see it. And someone had a DVD of that for like 10 bucks. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> um, the old uh, B-movie Octoman is another one that was uh, floating around for the longest time. And then suddenly just it went, the, the Blu-rays and the DVDs went out of print. And yeah. they're, it's really tough to find. And it's a, it's a horrible, bad B-movie. But it's one of those really bad, it's fun B-movie. Yeah. And so, again, DVD for 10 bucks. All right. I'll buy that. <laughs> another film that I want to say I saw back in like the VHS days of Blockbuster called The Keep. Okay. The Keep does sound familiar. Yeah. I guarantee I you, if you look at the cover, you'd recognize, you know, the cover art. Right. Um, but again, I'm positive I saw this once. Hmm. And I've heard about it. I, I listened to another podcast that reviewed it, and I was like, I, I need to look that back up. And, of course, couldn't find it anywhere. And right. So, once again, found it. DVD, $10. Okay. <laughs> I'll buy that. And, and this is how you chip away at your funds, just yeah. $10 at a time. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of the Santo films, there's, um, Scream Magazine is there, and they have a special, they, they do a special deal for you where you, if you buy their, their latest issue, yeah, uh, which is only like 15 bucks, mm-hmm. you get to put your hand in the, in, in the bucket and pull out a, a number ball, yeah. and you get a free Blu-ray. Along okay. with your purchase or whatever. And uh, two years prior, when I went, I got What the Peeper Saw both years. <laughs> so I'm Because that's what you needed was two copies of that. Right. Well, fortunately, <laughs> I was able to send one off to, I think, Rich Chamberlain got it. <laughs> he got one of the copies. <laughs> but anyway, so I went ahead and did it. I got the Scream magazine, and I did it. You know, got the, got the number. Here we go. He pulls it out. It's a Santo film. <laughs> And not only is it the Santo film, it's a Santo film that I've always wanted to see but didn't really want to ever buy. Right. Because it's the it's a Santo film that someone they they filmed a black and white Santo film. They okay. also filmed it in color. Okay. But what they did as well, and I think it was kind of behind the back of Santo, is they filmed nude scenes. Oh yeah. With a lot of the the women that were in the film. And then splice that into the color version for, like, I guess, European markets and, and such. Interesting. So it was the, the, the sexy Santo version. <laughs> the yes, sexy Santo. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's that uh, the it's a, one of the recent Blu-ray releases from that VCI who they went and did all the uh, recent uh, Santo with the English uh, dub. dub. Yeah. And they should be ashamed of themselves yeah. for the dubbing is awful it oh it God. sounds like someone's it it sounds like people doing impressions it, it, it sounds like someone doing a comedy routine it, it's terrible oh, the, wow. the dub is just awful 
no actual acting read of the uh, the scripted material. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know the a best parody way to just, uh, it, of it. It feels like it, even though it's a legitimate dub, you know, they're not forced s- accent. No, not for, no, well, okay. maybe a little bit of a forced accent on occasion, but it's it's not good. Just wondering if it's coming off uh, hair racist. Uh, <laughs> no, well, maybe a little maybe. bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, it, glad I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> well, uh, if all you had to do is pick a ball out of a bin to do it, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah, exactly. So that's not too bad. Yeah. So that was that was fun. It was at least. It was a Santo film, and it wasn't what the peeper saw. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. It didn't come from a Monster Bash, but I think you should talk a little about the treasure that I brought you. I absolutely should. <laughs> this is very cool. My awesome co-host, who comes in from out of town and everything, apparently went shopping somewhere. He's got me the original superheroes action figure of the Phantom. This is probably, what, a good 10-inch uh, 10, 12 inch tall? Yeah, that's going to be about an 8 inch tall. 8 inch, 8 inch? Okay, 8 to 10 inch tall uh, figure of the Phantom. Fully posable with interchangeable hands. He's got his sidearms. He's got a whip. He's, It's awesome. <laughs> it's There'll be got, a picture going up in the socials here soon. It's got glowing eyes. And he's got glowing <laughs> eyes that glow in the dark. Yes, no. How could I resist getting that for you when I saw it? <laughs> yeah. No, that is... Uh, Pretty damn cool. Not a monster bash fine, but still a good one. That tops off this weekend. I mean, this is sitting here recording with you and then getting the Phantom and then the old monster bash. This weekend couldn't have gone better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is fun. Yeah, it's a good time. I wish we could do it more often. Well, yeah, there is that whole 500 miles in between. Yeah, yeah, well. You're due up next. You got to come to me. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> It might have to give it a little bit of a. Uh, <laughs> been putting a lot of miles on the old car this month. I still have another 500 to go this month. So well, even when driving out here, you got to plan where to go right now with gas prices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between driving to uh, Monster Bash, I've had to drive up and back to Cleveland, and have to drive up and back in Cleveland again oh. here at the and another week. So yeah, there's 1,500 miles going on the car in just like uh, three weeks' time. So yeah, that'll mess with you. Yeah. Going back into uh, podcast mode here a little bit, uh, we got a letter. We got an email. Ooh. I shouldn't say a letter. It didn't come in the post or anything. You know. No. Uh, it didn't come with a stamp. Four, four score in seven years. Oh, no, no, nothing like that. No, we got an email from Matt. Speaking of Matt, Hi, Matt. he has uh, written in talking about Back to the Future. Ooh, okay. He listened to our Back to the Future episode. Says, hi, Christopher and Tom. I just finished listening to your discussion on Back to the Future and I quite enjoyed it. This movie has always been in my top five, sometimes number one, favorite movies of all time. I've seen it dozens of times, once in the theater when it was re released for its 25th anniversary, and have purchased it on VHS, DVD, Blu ray, and 4K. <laughs> Obsessed? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Something I love about it, no matter how classic it's become, someone learned something new about it, much like Tom did upon learning that Huey Lewis was a judge for Marty's band. Here's another one. Did you know Doc Brown hanging from the clock tower is a nod to Harold Lloyd's silent film, Safety Last? I only just read about that, I think, actually doing the research for it, and it makes total sense (laughs) now that I know. Yeah. That all said, there is something I feel you overlooked. 
Uh-oh. You talked about the soundtrack for this movie, but not Alan Silvestri's brilliant score. Mm. For me, the score takes this movie to the masterpiece level that it's on. The energy that radiates from this music is really something, and it can stand shoulder to shoulder with any score in cinema history. If I ever need a little boost, I play certain tracks from this score and feel myself getting a jolt. Alan Silvestri is my favorite film composer, and his work on this film just might be my favorite thing about it. Thanks for taking the time to discuss such a brilliant film. I hope you both are doing well. Best, Matt. P.S. Back to the Future 2 does not end with To Be Continued. It ends with To Be Concluded. Oh. (laughs) Okay, I'm done now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Matt, for splitting that hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't mention the score. We did talk about the soundtrack and the actual, the Huey Lewis music and everything. But, of course, the, the score that is in that film is, as soon as you start talking about it, you hear oh, it in well, yeah, your head. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I hear the Back to the Future's theme song playing right. in my head right now. Yeah. No, that's that, completely accurate. And, and um, it does. It, 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 it's, it brings adrenaline to that movie um, right when you need it, too, because I can even hear... I can hear the drum beat in, in my head as you're waiting for Marty to get the DeLorean off the start line in the 50s so that he can hit the mark on time and without that you you wouldn't have quite the impact that the rest of the movie has but anyway matt yeah we uh we definitely neglected mentioning sylvester and yeah he is an amazing composer i was just flipping through some of the other films and stuff that he's done and it's kind of one of those things where i didn't realize he had done so many and there's like a ton of like oh oh that (laughs) that soundtrack that that score uh Going all the way back, my gosh, I went all the way back, and I'm, I'm noticing things from, like, uh, Romancing the Stone, Back to the Future. Um, yeah, you kind of come put them in the category well, of... Flight of the Navigator. It, I loved that when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, no, and the music in that is amazing, mm-hmm. too. Oh, and The Abyss is another fantastic Abyss. score. No, uh, see, what it is is uh, anything, that, any movie that you've heard where you really love the score... And if the name isn't John Williams, it's probably, probably Alan Silvestri. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it's usually your next in line. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know there's lots of good ones out there. I do, but yeah, those two are usually pretty high on the list. Very. So anyway, thanks for writing in, Matt. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and paying attention to the episode too. Thanks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Not only downloading, listening, <laughs> and, and, and paying attention. That's and, awesome. And, and really appreciate you being pedantic about that con- to be concluded. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I think that's going to do it for the top of the show. We are going to take a break and listen to a promo for another podcast. When we get back, we are going to go to 1982. Television, television and look at the show Voyagers seasons, Sam and Dean Winchester have been busy with saving people, hunting things, and the family business on the CW Supernatural. It sounds like a lot for someone to come along and try to catch up on the hundreds of episodes this show has to offer. 
But that's exactly what we're making my little sister do, whether she likes it or not. I'm Matt. I'm PG. And I'm Jess. Two of us are huge fans, one of us is an unspoiled newbie, and we're watching every episode of Supernatural together. We discuss, analyze, and playfully mock this show all to realize that everyone dies and no one gets closure. Listen to Season 14, Time for a Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. through time to help history along. Give it a push where it's needed. When the army's red, it means history's wrong. Our job is to get everything back on track. As I said, aired in 1982. It ran from uh, October 82 to July of 1983. And the series starred Eric, John Eric Hexum and Mino Palouse. This was a series I remember watching as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously when it first aired. And mm-hmm. don't know if I watched much. I don't know if it's come around. I want to say it might have been on sci-fi back in the early days when they were looking for anything and Maybe. everything to fill their, their blocks. But... That's still talking, you know, 20 years or something like that since I've seen anything. I can't remember it going to syndication even. It's only 20 episodes, so... I I know, but I mean, you would have thought maybe even as a filler somewhere. Right. Um, This was a really fun series to revisit. It really was. Um, And I've had people ask me, Voyagers, like, what's Voyagers? And to uh, a friend uh, recently who she wasn't, she had no idea what Voyagers was, I said, have you ever seen Quantum Leap? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, no, love Quantum Leap. I'm like, this would have been its predecessor. There's a lot of shows that I think could probably trace their influence to this. And this shows could be, you could trace other shows to influence it. I mean, this was, I really think, sort of like a... um, an American version of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, then I'd like, say that's fair. And then, like you said, uh, Quantum Leak, I think, could be kind of, yeah, you got a little bit of influence from this. Um, well, yeah. I mean, essentially, the, the, the entire premise is almost pulled right out of it. The notion that when you visit, if you stop in a period of time, you're there to fix something. Right. Something's broke. That's why you're there. It's a totally quantum leap. It's the only reason he jumped into anything. Yes. And then, like, this came first. Mm-hmm. This also fixes what was entirely wrong about the time tunnel, which we've already watched. Yeah. There's, an, there's another one where I think this the Voyagers probably picked some influence from time yeah, tunnel. Yeah, it would have pulled bit. it from then, but it would have gone, okay, we've watched those episodes. Here's everything that's wrong with those. Let's do it different. Certainly, <laughs> um, certainly Erwin Allen's, um, if what he was claiming was going to be the second season, uh, I think was effectively 
what Voyagers was. Oh. Um, if that was true, right? then, yeah, someone, like, saw those notes and went, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> How about we stop breaking the past? <laughs> Try to fix it as we go. <laughs> They even had a Titanic episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they no, both I, had Titanic yeah, episodes. Yeah, folks, so uh, as we go on with this conversation, we were struggling with how we were going to go about watching some episodes to talk about without watching the entire 20 hours. So, yes. so we originally started, I, I had selected two that I thought were at least from what would be the most encompassing of it. Chris found some others. Couldn't help but resist the fact that the the the, the fourth in his series was the Titanic episode. I'm like, I know why you picked that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we threw in a fifth just for the heck of it. Right. Well, I went and looked for ones that I felt like encapsulated the the show mm-hmm. as as best uh, as we could, and just this brief you know glimpse at. And then the Titanic, honestly, I forgot that the time tunnel thing and everything. It was just, it was only because that was an episode where they cross paths with another Voyager. Right. Which is something I completely forgot from watching it as a kid. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't remembered that. I remember the Titanic episode. Really? But but I had forgotten that the premise was, was that they had run it. The, what was broke was another Voyager was there and struggling with her mission. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get to that. Let's start. We'll kind of we'll go in order here. Sure, let's do it. So we obviously started with the premiere, of course, the pilot uh, in the in the first adventure, which was just called Voyagers. Yep. Uh, Phineas Bogg crashes through the high rise apartment bedroom of young or- orphan Jeffrey Jones in a struggle with the family dog who has grabbed hold of a large book belonging to Boggs. Jeffrey falls through the open window. Boggs dives after him, and they both disappear. Reappearing alongside a river, Boggs explains that he's a time traveler and is part of a group of voyagers, people who travel through time using the pocket watch-sized device called an Omni, and give history a push where it's needed to make sure it plays out as it should. The book that Boggs has now lost was his guidebook to history. Without it, he has no idea what needs fixed. Luckily, Jeffrey is a history buff and quickly replaces Boggs' need for the book. That is also That takes place in the first adventure, and it is also sort of the premise of the entire show. Yep. In the first episode, we travel to 1450 BC, and mm-hmm. we uh, find Moses on the Nile. Yep. Uh, we go to 1918, but it's a 1918 with no airplanes. Yep. And then we travel to 1903 Dayton, Ohio, where we meet the Wright brothers. With a Ed Bagley Jr. is one of the Wright brothers, which was fun. Yeah. Uh, and did you notice, did you recognize uh, the actress in the 1918, uh, the one actress that was hanging out with the guy that would eventually become, you know, the the, the famous pilot? That was Faye Grant. She was uh, Julie from the miniseries V. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, no, I didn't notice that at the time. Yeah, it, that... it, took me, it took me a minute. I was like, wow, she looked really familiar. And then she looked at the camera just right and like, oh, V. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's cool. It made for a great hook for this pilot episode, the notion that not only do they have to fix something in history, but and, and it, it was fun to introduce the kid as his guide to how to do this, but 
the notion that what was broken in one of the timelines required them to travel to a completely different timeline to fix it. Yeah, that's a, and that's another aspect of the show that I didn't remember. One, I didn't recall. Yeah. I didn't recall them having like the control that they do to travel right. in time, or the idea that like, oh, well, this is broken now, so we need to go back and fix it. La- oh, oh, okay. <laughs> No, I, well, and I don't know how, and, and I'm sure anybody out there will correct me, but this is one of those time travel pieces that actually makes the connection with the progression of things that happen in time. Like, usually when we're doing time travel stuff, we're very focused on whatever we've traveled to. We're go, we go to one time, we're fixing the problem, back to the future. Marty shows up. That's what broke time in his case. So he's busy working through the details to correct what he broke. This is a a series where they've introduced the notion that there's a ripple effect if you break something in, in a certain spot. If Orville and Wilbur Wright don't invent the airplane... World War One doesn't go off exactly the same way, and it cascades from there. So I don't know that there's a lot of properties that have done something similar. No, I don't think so either. And uh, before we go any further, I think we need to stop and talk about the Omni. Well, absolutely, because it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> that has quickly turned into the, if I could own a prop, right? I want the beauty prop of the Omni. I remember that from 1982. It was like my greatest thing ever that I wanted an Omni as soon as I saw that show. Yeah, I've always remembered the Omni, but I didn't remember the detail and especially the hero model that they mm-hmm. have with the, the turning dials and, and, the and everything. Dials, the globe on there. Yeah. And, the, and, and that was what was always cool about it too. If you caught it right, and the, the hero model... Well, the globe would move, and, and it would pinpoint where on the planet you were, mm-hmm. as well as when on the planet you were. Yes. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's beautiful. And strangely enough, out of all the conventions you go to with people that, you know, recreate props and things like that, I've never seen an Omni. And you would think with, uh, I realize it's starting to become a little passe, the, the notion of steampunk, but... This thing is so total steampunk. Yeah. The notion of a time travel machine in a little brass jewel case, mm-hmm. that, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm very surprised that even even if you don't have one it, it, as nice as the hero model with all the moving parts, which right. I can imagine, I mean, someone might make that, but it would be cost prohibitive probably to sure. actually try to sell at, at, a, at a convention. I I don't know. Yeah, I'm, like I'm mass thinking, producing those might take a little something. Yeah. You'd have to have a market. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. No, a mass production, I think, would be no way in hell. No. And to do it small market or whatever, I'm sure you'd be looking at, Hun- you know, hundreds four digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least thousands. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, if you want a good working one with properly lighting LEDs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And especially... Especially if it makes the little ding. Oh, definitely. Now, ding! Lights green. Yeah, since we're talking about the Omni, folks, if you haven't watched this show, we highly recommend it anyways. I'll get to that right now. But um, it's so kind of neat that the their time travel device, when they have actually made the correction in time that sets the timeline back in 
on the path to which it's supposed to, it actually dings and turns green. And I'm like, that's so cool. Maybe, you did it. <laughs> maybe had this series been given its second season, maybe we could have seen like Toy Line. I mean, this you're starting to near you know, the early '80s. You're yep. starting to uh, Star Wars is already Merchan- yeah merchandising merchandising properties. properties. I mean, Star Wars has already proven that merchandising without anything popular uh, uh, media wise is a thing. Yes, and obviously you're not going to really get it maybe in that first season, right? Or uh, or I can see where a TV studio might be a little shy doing it before the stuff even airs. Although not too long after this, that does happen. They have toy lines out before the show. Oh, there, yeah, there was yeah. like next generation toys in 1987, 88 before the show had even anyone had seen anything. Well, I think the only reason you might have seen a little struggle is Star Trek is definitely not the property to which you base merchandising on. True. They were terrible about it ever and always. Um, (laughs) I should mention the reason this thing didn't get the second season, it was getting really good ratings. And it was was actually broadcasting opposite 60 Minutes. Yes. And the series was averaging a 17 share, which is... That's good. You know, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. It looked like it was going to be renewed. Well, there was some controversy with 60 Minutes. They they got in trouble with some reporting that they did. Mm -hmm. And the network, NBC, saw that as maybe a a, a sign of weakness, that maybe they could put a news program out and beat 60 Minutes. So they canceled Voyagers and put in, in its place, a magazine program called Monitor. Ever hear of it? Never. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we did learn something while we were watching this, since we're on this particular topic, is its time slot and the fact that it was up against 60 minutes in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, In our discussions about doing this, it came up that um, that time slot, that 7 to 8 p.m. time slot on a Sunday had to be relegated to something that was vaguely educational, which is why 60 Minutes fit into the slot. It's a news program. So anybody else on any other network had to produce something that had some sort of educational component to Mm -hmm. it, which that's how this fit in, is because they were time-traveling, going back to actual points in time one might study in school, and this was supposed to promote education as a whole anyway, One of the things that at the end of the very first episode, which I texted Chris immediately from, because I hadn't seen this since 1982. So the first thing that I, it smacked me hard that I remembered this immediately was at the end of each episode. If you want to learn more about the Wright brothers, Eddie Rickenbacker, and the early days of flying, take a voyage to your nearest public library. It's all in books. And I'm like, why don't we do that anymore? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we sort of did it. Remember uh, Sequest? The first season of Sequest? Yeah. They did yeah, something very kind of similar. That's what? 90s, early th- Oh, yeah. Thousands? No, it's another decade or, or decade and a half before right. they do anything like that. Yeah, but I mean, there's just no sense. I, I, if, if it's out there, tell me. But I, I don't get any sense of that anymore, where you actually no, try no. to put that germ of uh, of 
curiosity out there that there you can go elsewhere. Well, the entire premise of the show is based on. Um, I mean, it, it, it's 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 supposed to be educational. Now, granted, mm-hmm. there's enough historical inaccuracies to give a history teacher a stroke. Well, absolutely, <laughs> there's no doubt. Yeah, but the the very premise of the thing, right? It was to uh, appeal to uh, children and families. Yeah, and yeah, I have to wonder if there aren't historians who watched Voyagers, you know, when they were a kid, right? And decided they wanted to learn more about yeah, like, history. Could this have been a thing that helped kind of just kick it off? Like, yeah. I did want to go to the public library and learn more about that. Yeah. No, I, I did. I, I really love that. There's a certain, I don't know, an innocence. That's um, actually the word I was going to use. Yeah. Yeah. About that. It's just, it's a comfort. It, it, it's like out of another time, and it's not that long ago. And it comes across a hell of a lot better than like what they were doing with like the GI Joe, where they kind right. of they put in the shoehorn moral at the end or something well, like that. Mandatory PSA. Yeah, no exactly. Half the battle. Yeah, uh, this felt a lot more natural. It did. Yeah. No. If I dare say, you could have uh, as entertaining as it was. It was clear that. This was network television, but it would have been easily fit in on, like, a PBS station. Sure. Oh, it had sort of like that after-school special kind of feeling or whatever. It did, but not in the the cheesy, pandering way. Yeah, the the good after-school specials. Right. You actually (laughs) wanted to see this one. So, I mean, everything about it started snapping. Um, um the trumpet blasts uh, that they do for the theme song, and particularly when they jump through time, when I they do really dig the theme. I love. The I, theme I love this. the theme. I let it play every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it would it would blare when they jump, and and they do the little warp thing, which they did consistently each time. You knew they were about to land when the last panel came up, and, right. and it started to glitter. <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, that that they're jumping through space and time thing, which had a very Doctor Who feel about it too. Sure. I mean, granted, they're traveling by Omni, not not by TARDIS, but they they, they were the the jump was relatively the same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they they would play that theme right at the jump of each, and they're like, yes, that's so cool. Very eighties though. Yeah. Before we leave the uh, the first episode, you know the premiere and everything, I I like how they, you know, the first little adventure with the two of them mm-hmm. when they get back to the, you know, they're at the what was it fourteen fifty BC. It's a very simple and just oh here's this we'll fix that and let's yeah. move on. It but it's just it sets the premise of the show. It yeah. gives everyone a chance to go okay this is what this is about and then they get into the heavier. Oh, what, 1918? No airplanes? What the heck? We got to go back to... Yeah, and that was what was interesting about that one all the way around. Because, yes, that first one with Moses, it's a simple fix. We set up why Jeffrey should be there. Um, We set up that Phineas is maybe not the brightest bulb in the (laughs) the bunch. Uh, Good guy, but clearly hasn't studied in in history, so he needs his book. Um. But they make this jump, but yeah, to jump from something of we just need to put Moses back in the river because he washed up too soon. Right. To 
we have to untangle why there are no airplanes <laughs> in World War One. Like it's literally they went from their easiest to probably their most involved, and and from watching the other episodes, this was the most involved that they had to be. Was the pilot episode certainly the ones that we watched? I think yeah. at least yeah of those. But it, it set all the groundwork that you needed. You know, uh, Bog explains you know who he is mm-hmm. uh, and what they and what they do. He explains why you know he kind of needs the guidebook because he didn't pay all that much attention in Voyager school because there was a really attractive blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and so it sets him up. Okay, this is he's going to be easily the the guy that's going to be his eyes as his going to turn every time a pretty lady walks by. And, 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 and folks, for those of you that haven't seen this show, he is the Captain Kirk of. Voyagers. Uh, yeah, he, yes, hasn't, absolutely. he hasn't met a woman that he doesn't want to sleep with. No, exactly. <laughs> and to his credit, most of the women haven't met a Voyager that they wouldn't want to get with, too. <laughs> Jumping to the next episode we watched, which I think was the fifth episode. It was called right. An Arrow Pointing East. Now, the rest of these synopsis is here. I actually pulled uh, the wiki had a really great uh, episode guide synopsis, so I pulled all these Thank right you, from wiki. Wikipedia. Yeah. After arriving just from Hawaii, Bog and Jeff help a wounded Robin Hood in the Sherwood Forest in England in 1194 and learn from Little John and Friar Tuck that the sheriff of Nottingham is holding Maiden Marian captive. When the sheriff's soldiers trap the voyagers, they jump to New York on May 19, 1927. On Long Island, they help Charles Lindbergh make his historic flight from New York to France in the spirit of St. Louis. They then go back to help Robin Hood rescue Maiden Marian in 1194 before going back again to France on May 21st, 1927 to see Lucky Lindy land in France uh, from a distance. Mm-hmm. And this had, I wanted to pull this one for sure because this, we, we've talked about Next Generation, Jonathan Frakes as Charles Lindbergh. I know, that was so cool. I, I like, I again, I, I remember the episode. I, I actually each oh, one that I, I watched. Have no recollection of this I, one. I remember watching this series beginning to end now, but I haven't seen them since '82. Right. So, so, but yeah, I, it would have been a point in time where I mean, this is still another what? If that's episode five, we've still got another what six years before he's on uh, next gen. Next yeah. gen. So not not even five five years because it's eighty seven, um, so it's five more years till we have him as Riker. So this been like I completely forgot that Jonathan Frakes was Charles Lindbergh. So when when he pops on the screen, I'm like, yes, that's awesome. I, I I'm glad I saw this now because should I ever get to a convention where I actually get a chance to speak with Jonathan Frakes, mm-hmm. I got you just, something else to talk about. Yeah, you just. Get, <laughs> So, what was it like being on Voyagers and portraying Charles Lindbergh? Great. How much research did you do? And I think he did a great job. <laughs> he actually did. Yeah. No. Uh, no. It was. It was nice to see him in something else, especially something pre Star Trek. So, and this episode was fun too because the two stories are so dissimilar. Oh yeah. And again, this plays out the the whole idea that well, they can just leave whenever they want and then just come back. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a, oh, we're in really deep trouble. Let's disappear. Whoop. <laughs> we'll come back which later. Did break uh, what I thought might happen, uh, which means they can go wherever and they can leave something broke. Mm-hmm. But it kind of messes with you on how this works because, at least in the pilot episode, 
they jump into World War One, discovering something from 1903 is what's broken. In this case, I guess you're to assume what's broken about the Robin Hood tale doesn't have a significant enough impact right. on history no, that no. they could leave it, go back, and then go back and correct it. Because you would have to then argue... Don't they feel the ripple of that down the line? Yeah, no, so. I think it just depends on the on, on no, again. yeah, like you said, how significant the the change or the error in history is. We're also talking about a time travel show from the early '80s where you know they didn't put that much thought into any of this. True, true. They were just <laughs> having fun. They were making right. a fantasy. And... Right. They were making our rules or whatever we say they are. Mm-hmm. And um, I take it from. Um, and we'll talk to this in another episode when we get to the Titanic one too, but also looking at the some of the footage that they used for um, the Spirit of St. Louis and everything, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that must have been like a universal property of film. I don't think it was um, actual footage from uh, oh, okay. the the Spirit of St. Louis flight. Certainly not the, the belly-mounted uh, camera on the plane and right. everything, but it definitely looked a little bit fancier than you might expect from this television show which is obviously done fairly cheaply i mean right. you're talking universal backlot on 90 percent of this show right so i'm guessing they must have been using stock footage from prior films yes exactly yeah. and but done so very cleverly i think it, it it works really great i mean it's noticeable as all hell you see the plane you know taking off and everything and then you see your your actors back on stage <laughs> You obviously not in the same shot. Look at them go. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of that, but but whatever footage they had, they did actually manage to at least pull out color and contrast and all that to fit with how they're shooting the rest of the film. Mostly, mostly, mostly. yeah, yeah. Uh, forgiving the change in location and all of that stuff, but yeah, yeah. they didn't do a bad job, all no. considering. Creative use of materials. Exactly. It was very creative. Like I said, I mean, this is a universal property, so mm-hmm. they obviously had a lot They have of, a treasure trove. They have a treasure trove of, of stuff. And, you know, they're making a show for families, for kids, and they want to do it. They want to have fun, but they want to do it inexpensive. So, hey, we've got a back lot. We've got property out here in the woods, um, and we've got the, all this stock footage. What you know? What more can you ask for? It's a perfect situation. Our, our time machine is a, a product of Citizen or Seiko, so <laughs> so yeah. No, they, they got to do this on the cheap. Yeah, another. Uh, it wasn't just a, another fun episode. I'm glad we pulled that one. I mean, I pulled it mainly just because Jonathan Frakes. Oh uh, yeah, Swindle, no. I, but, if I but, had realized he was in there too, I would have said, yeah, definitely that one. So next episode, and this one might have been. Mm, 10, I want to say, episode 10. It was called Worlds Apart. Yeah. After a badly worn-out Omni nearly strands them in Siberia, Boggs and Jeff become separated in the Middle East in 1917 during the conflicts between Arab tribes and Ottoman Turks. Jeffrey barely escapes with the Omni. Bog meets Lawrence of Arabia, and they are imprisoned by Turks but escape with the help of an Arab woman named Medina. Meanwhile, in Menlo Park, New Jersey, on October 19, 1879, Jeffrey helps Thomas Elva Edison with the invention of the practical incandescent electric light. Edison dismantles the Omni, and though unable to learn its secrets, he does manage to repair it. 
Jeffrey then reunites with Bogg, and they travel to 1879 on December 31st to witness Thomas Edison's demonstrate the incandescent lighting to the public for the first time. I threw this one in there because I when we first started talking about doing Voyagers, we both said we remembered seeing the Omni splayed out on Edison's desk all in pieces. Yeah. So I figured that had to be an episode that we watched. And as we were discussing prior to the start of the show, uh, that one triggered for me um, that I had remembered. Edison's been pictured in all sorts of stuff throughout time um, ever since he invented half the stuff he invented. <laughs> um but this was the episode where I remember distinctly the discussion around um, trying to get the filament thin enough to sustain the charge to light the bulb. And watching them have uh, Jeffrey sit there and try to roll out carbon filaments mm -hmm. was like, that's where I remember <laughs> that from. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap. But no, that was, I, and then I distinctly remember them all sitting around and blowing bulb after bulb after bulb. And I'm like, nice. oh, wow, I'm like that one sat so, it was prevalent in my memory, but I couldn't picture what a series it, uh, it belonged to. That's cool. To. I only remember that the Omni was, you know, splayed out on a white Yes, like, and I remember that too, yeah, because I remember the kid freaking out. This is also the episode where I'm going to throw in where eh, well, any serial television will 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 start to struggle after a while. Is um, this is where Jeffrey starts to hit his stride on being annoying? Mm. Um, <laughs> he could he Nino Palouse could be a bit whiny. <laughs> yeah, and, and I figure that's mostly direction because in his case too. He could be incredibly charming, oh, yeah. and he was a hell of a smart ass to 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 pair with Phineas. Yeah. So he smart kids give me a pain. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that was the running gag forever between that. And what was what's the other thing Phineas always says? Bat's breath. Bat's breath. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? But anyway, um, but no, this is the one where it became completely apparent. That direction to him was to whine as loudly and as irritatingly as possible because everything was making this kid cry. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I get that if you walked in after crashing in on on um, on Thomas Edison and he has taken your one ticket out of here and he's got it spread out all over the thing. I get the freak out part, but he broke down in weeping tears before he actually asked any questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a little off character because this is supposed to be a little more the smart kid, the resilient kid. He's happy to be doing this. Yeah, he does that, but then he also turns around and convinces the backers to give Edison another day or whatever. Oh, yeah. And a very great sales pitch. Oh, yeah, no, no. And that was like, uh, uh, oh, God, I've forgotten the name of the uh, the backer because he's actually a big, important uh, financial um, yeah, guy I in history. Yeah, I just watched this episode not that long ago. I'm already, yeah. And, yeah, and historic, both, both my history teachers in the past and my yeah, uh, we've geek cred for watching just watching the show, and I'm blanking on it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I know it's not like Rockefeller or anything like that, but it's one of those kind of guys. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, no, his his 
his talk with him, the, the whole sales pitch to him, was amazing. But it was also done minutes from him just being in tears. No, you ruined it. What are you yeah. doing? I don't want to get back. <laughs> uh, and, and this is where I'll also take the moment to. I get that he, Jeffrey and Phineas have been building a bond mm-hmm. over the and, and they always they're it's always tongue in cheek on how they're going to refer to each other as uncle nephew, dad son, right. that kind of thing. I, I, there could be a play to, for like just brothers. Mm-hmm. Um but it's clear that they're building a bond, but this is also where he's starting to get that whole weepy I can't be separated from Phineas I love him too much mm. thing that starts to sit a little not quite genuine. I don't know. Mm. It's not coming off quite right. I get the bond. I don't get the uh, whole I'm in love with Phineas kind of thing, and I don't mean it in any other way than this is his replacement father figure because yeah. he's an orphan child. Well, and that could be – some of that could be because we were watching – just a few episodes sure. versus actually watching. I mean, we're maybe as many as 10 episodes halfway through the season or something. Right. And maybe that would sit a little bit better had you watched actually watched all of them. All of but, them. Yeah. but see, I, I could also make a case for maybe it doesn't because now it becomes repetitive. Mm. <laughs> this is our time tunnel problem all over again where they keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. In this case, it's just an emotional one. It's The gravitas is just too hyped up all the time. I get that from week to week. Maybe you've forgotten how much they care about each other. But but when you're sitting at them back to back, it comes off a little forced. There's another uh, Star Trek connection in this episode. Oh, yeah? Um, What did I miss? Lawrence of Arabia uh, played... Uh (laughs) <laughs> Khan's son, maybe, and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Did, wasn't he also in one of the Next Gen episodes? He did appear in a Next Gen. The one, the one about the drug use. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the over-the-top drug. Yeah, one. well, that was early in Wesley, Gen drugs one. are bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I they know, make you feel good. I know him <laughs> best from Star Trek II. No, yeah. no, no, no. I totally remember him now from there, too. Um, still, again, it was a uh, another fun episode. Oh, um, Absolutely. The Thomas Edison, oh, he's the world's greatest inventor. Yeah, none of that ever really sits well with me anymore. And, but uh, I did like the actor that they had portraying him. Oh, yeah, especially the the fact that he was hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. They hit hard on that part. Um, and, and just kind of his overall enthusiasm was, was really kind of cool. There's one I will dig for this, because since he did take the Omni apart, and however you feel about his in his inventing skills and all of that. He was a skilled engineer. Yes. Um, so the notion that he he took something apart piece by piece uh, using horological skills to do it um, and then managed to put it back together, cleaned up, which was essentially the problem with yeah. the thing. In the that first movement thing. was the dirtiest <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> right, right. So, um, and, and we're going to get to that in the next episode we talk about. But yeah, Edison fixes the Omni so that they can continue <laughs> on with the series. Yes. <laughs> so that was fun. That Absolutely. was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, the next one we actually looked at, and this one was I thought would be great because it was a... Compilation. It was a bit of a clip show, mm-hmm. was the uh, trial of Phineas Bogg, where he and Jeffrey find themselves back at Voyager School, or at mm-hmm. least in a Voyager 
wherever Voyager exists. Tribunal. Yeah, yeah, we, they, yeah we, we're they, not real clear on that. It's no, on Gallifrey. Yeah. <laughs> they find themselves in a courtroom. Uh, the Voyagers appear in an empty courtroom with a non-functioning Omni. A defense attorney named Susan claims Bog has violated the Voyager Code and will be put on trial by Voyager Drake, a tough prosecutor. Three judges take the bench and Bog is charged with endangering Jeff's life. However, evidence of perjury during the trial is discovered showing that Drake had tampered with the Omni memory recorder. When Drake attempts to escape with his Omni, the Voyagers grab him and end up in the Texas Revolution in Mexico in 1836. Drake escapes somewhere in time while Bog and Jeff help Sam Houston and the Texan rebels. Susan then brings them back and a judge tells them that Jeff's destiny was to be a Voyager. He gives Bog his Omni and they go back to work and disappear before he can get their new guidebook. So again, big like universe building here. It, it, it was, uh, and this is where we'll go back to the Omni for a second. I, I absolutely adored that when they show up and the Omni shuts off on them, it is dead. It's blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, the globe is missing yeah, from, from the device. The all, Both lights are completely dark. Yeah. yeah, and there doesn't even appear to be dates anywhere on the dials at this point. Yeah. It is a completely blank device. And I'm like, it's a, that's a nice touch. It really was. It suggested we are in non-time, mm-hmm. a non-space. We're in a somewhere designated to do Voyager work, whatever that means. So it starts sitting like uh, like in Quantum Leap uh, whenever Sam goes back to the 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 tube in which he's he he's being projected from, and it's just this quasi realm where nothing happens you it's out of time mm-hmm. i i love that kind of feel yeah and this is the first time well the first time in the, in the episodes we watch i don't know there's so much that we may be missing right. we we are missing some but i i i don't know if there's any episodes prior to this where we get the idea that there's other voyagers mm-hmm. and here we find out there's a whole effectively a world of them there's there, there's an organization i mean obviously bog explains that there are more but yeah, and, and, not, not only now, now are there more, they have like a society and a legal system and well, a code. And he mentions at one point, um, Voyagers are people pulled out of their timelines mm-hmm. um, because for whatever reason, which this episode then makes for what could have been truly fantastic stuff for a second season. This episode you touched on it and i don't know if you gave it the gravitas it needed the notion that jeffrey was supposed to be a voyager uh-huh. he was boggs pulling him out of that moment in time while seemingly accidental to phineas was entirely intentional that point in time had to happen that was the moment that jeffrey disappeared into the time stream to be a voyager that is a big deal that is that is the we have stories to tell for the next five seasons yes. kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. The, the, this is now making me, watching all this and realizing the potential that this thing had, it's like, where's my books? Where's my audio dramas? You right. know, uh, where's my uh, Voyagers of the Next Generation? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, this is also the moment I texted you where I said, I have ideas for a reboot for this thing. Sure. I mean, 
absolutely. I mean, if you didn't, you totally could now come back now and have adult Jeff doing Voyager stuff, and he has to pull a somebody out of time to train mm-hmm. them and all that. You could totally restart this whole thing and you could do it really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you don't need to redo Quantum Leap. No, 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 no. no. Voyagers I, is where it's at. That's what I'm saying. And I'm saying that Voyagers was Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk about Drake. Yeah, we got, absolutely. Now Drake is is traveling through time and... Uh, We've established a bad guy. Uh-huh. We... Actually, the funny thing, and I, I don't know why I, I, my head went to Mork and Mindy at this moment. The later season of seasons of Mork and Mindy, when they introduced Jonathan Winters as their son and all that, they had the bad guy uh, from Orc. Mm. Um, Vaguely remember that. Yeah, I, I can picture him because he also did a stint. Uh, he was a, a character actor in a bunch of stuff. And Isn't, is, he's he, all like Murphy Brown. I was going to say, he's the guy from like Costanza. Is that his last name? Something like that? No, yeah, no, he's no. the Murphy Brown guy, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know yeah, who you're talking yeah. about. Not Costanza. That's the guy. Yeah, no, never mind. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's from... He's got a, an odd name. Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah. But, but no, I for some reason, I was... That that was where we took what were supposed to be good guys, like in Mork and Mindy. They were supposed to be good guys, just out studying and all mm-hmm. that. And Mork just happened to be goofy. Um, <laughs> but they introduced a bad one. And now all of a sudden they had to chase him around. Well, now we had Drake. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the only comparison that kind of came in. And it's all 80s stuff anyway. But uh, And it, it sets up the idea that Drake could be responsible for, for breaking time. The time. Yes. Yes. No. And that's where I... I, I was having uh, a, a Yellow Lantern moment, too, from DC, the idea sure. that it's the anti-version. This guy now, I'm pissed off about everything, so I'm just going to go out and screw everything up. Mm-hmm. So they could literally be following behind him and not even realize that's what they're doing. I really got a kick out of the moment. Uh, Boggs Defender is this beautiful blonde woman, <laughs> Voyager. Yeah. And... Uh, Jeffrey at one point starts like, like yeah, remember you, you told me you didn't really pay much attention in class because there was this really sexy blonde? <laughs> and then so, and then as soon as Jeffrey says it, he like, oh. oh yeah, yeah I, I've totally outed you, dude. <laughs> Boggs is literally blushing. Right. Uh, well, and then in a fairly advanced uh, moment, because uh, you don't, you didn't see a lot of aggressive women necessarily, but she's like, you should have said something. Yeah, shame you weren't more obvious. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, like had I known, <laughs> like, oh, and then you can even see it. Actually, it's to the actor's credit. You could see it in his face. Uh, for his character, he is reliving what could have happened. Yes, <laughs> <I'm> like <clears throat> nicely done. <laughs> yeah. No, it, I just love that callback to the very first episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're halfway through the season and someone thought to pull just something something minor that a character said in the first episode right. and pull it into like into this and it it keeps the world active. Yeah, no. I, well, it's nice to see the writers pay attention to their own material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, like I said, that that's a moment where this kind of came off a little more advanced than some stuff that you might mm-hmm. actually watch where they, they've established that they're setting up a world. This is before world building. That, that was Star Wars. 
That, <laughs> that was Star Trek. Those were the the area Battlestar Galactica. Those had worlds. 7 p.m. prime time on a Sunday didn't have world building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, like I said, this is a little bit of a clip show. They use the Omni to to again steam, steampunk with mm-hmm. this really cool you know Omni visualizer or device that they have or whatever. Yeah, and you get to see several scenes from episodes that have taken place prior, including the the Alva the Thomas Alva Edison with yeah. the the thing all and like hey it never worked that thing worked great afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're taught call oh, this a mistake. This is how I'm getting around now. <laughs> win win. <laughs> yeah, no that that was a lot of fun. Um. I also liked uh, that they made a note that our heroes have the old model. <laughs> they they yes. went out of their way to point out. Wow, it looks like a new Omni. <laughs> yeah, because because theirs is all brass and beaten up, and, and, and Drake's and, and, is like all fancy and, and silver. Oh yeah, this is the new uh, XBJ or whatever. But it even had something to say in all all of that because theirs. Is experienced. It's used. Mm-hmm. It, it's seen things. It's been through stuff. And Drake, this is where it, it, you could literally use the props to partly tell the story. There's Drake's. His is pristine, untouched, unused. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to tell you something about the characters that are involved in that story. Did it just with a couple of hunks of metal. Right. That was awesome. I love that they did it. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's it's amazing the amount of you said it earlier the world building that they do on a Sunday evening television yeah. kids show kids show this is to promote reading yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, they put in a lot of decent work into a cheap show about time travel that was supposed to make you go to the library the uh, the last episode we looked at is Voyagers of the Titanic. <laughs> Bog and Jeff land in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on the deck of the RMS Titanic on April 14, 1912. While Jeff tries to warn the captain with Molly Brown, Bog meets a man named Haggerty who is not a Voyager but has an Omni. It belongs to Voyager Olivia Dunn, who is trying to get the Mona Lisa off the ship. The three Voyagers then jump to 1884 France where a dog bites Jeff and gives him rabies. Louis Pasteur then works on a vaccine and Jeff fully recovers. They all go back to the Titanic, and Bog finds Haggerty in the boiler room where they get the Mona Lisa just as the ship goes underwater. In Paris, April 15, 1912, Jeff, who had left separately, believes that they had died until they show up and explain that they had to bring the stolen painting back to the home of Vincenzo Perugia. I think I said that name right. <laughs> I think you did. The whole uh, premise behind that was that at one point the Mona Lisa had been stolen. Right. And someone had it hidden in their basement planning to at some point sell it or uh, magically show up with the reward or right. whatever. And then it was eventually found and then put back in or put into the Louvre. Little factoids that glossed over or completely ignored by most anybody else right. discussing the Mona Lisa. Right, yeah, because it's it, well, it, and giving it a little bit of story about oh yeah, it was stolen and it was on the Titanic and oh and then they had to get rescued from the, wow, that's great. So you're not only like talking about real history, you're you're making your own <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> this also, and I know you were fascinated to add this one is because this was another instance where we they did more world building there was the there was an another voyager out there yes and this this feeds into our discussion about drake and the notion that now he could be out there breaking time mm-hmm. 
in this particular case, their Omni brought them to the Titanic because there was clearly a Voyager struggling to get a mission done. So what was broken and drew her there was still broken and needed a, a additional assistance. Right. Which kind of fed more into, okay, so how does all this work? And yeah. and, and, and there is some, there's an intelligence well, somewhere you, behind it. Yeah, this. you kind of get the feeling that their Omni's telling him what's broken is that her mission is failing. Right. So it's a little bit of a meta... Yeah, because that's what's really kind of... Again, they don't get into it, and they don't have to. That's the that's the MacGuffin of the whole thing. But the notion that they do have control with the Omni, they can dial in where they want to go and where they want to go and go, or they can just hit the button, and it, it, it's random choice. <laughs> and Spin the dial, yeah. And, and, and random choice means you're going somewhere where it's broke. Right. <laughs> so, And this was a spot in time that was more broken and needed more help than was originally being handled. So that was kind of cool. I Again, this was one where I, I decided to choose this one just because of the description of there being another Voyager. So I wanted to see them cross paths with another Voyager, which is why I picked this episode. Sure. I, I, I thought you picked this episode because they were going to run into the guys from the time tunnel and beat the crap out of them. <laughs> <laughs> There's what's broke. Get them! <laughs> but I was so glad we did this because they did something in this that – Again, I'm just amazed at the the level of the writing. Jeffrey wants to warn the captain mm-hmm. about the Titanic, about the disaster. He wants it's, to it's, go time tunnel. It's, <laughs> but it's not just because oh, this is a really bad thing and we should try to stop it. He has a little bit of agency and an urgency about it because he says there's people who are going to die, people are going to lose their families, people are going to lose their parents. Right. It's like you don't know what it's like to lose your parents. Right. Yeah. I, I watched that and I was like. Wow. Yeah, no, no, no. It's character building in this yeah. case. It's not just... This they made it very it. personal for him. It's yeah. not just that this is a tragedy. Right. It, it, he makes it personal because he can connect. He knows what it's like to lose someone important yeah. like that. Yeah. I. That just blew me away. Yeah, no, that was a different take on it than normal. It's not just the lives. It's all the lives they touch, which at the heart is what this series is about that's right. entirely what they do it, it it's why it's important that that first episode had experienced a ripple it wasn't just that the airplanes had went away it, it's losing a war mm-hmm. it, that which means there's lives lost there's all that and this 11 year old has that perspective going in that's pretty deep stuff for again a 7 p.m sunday night well and, and follow it up with bog explaining is like look this is a tragedy, and it's terrible. Right. But, but it, it, it it happened. It's going to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah, because uh, – and, and that's interesting. They didn't get into a deeper conversation, again, because it's a 1980s t- TV drama. But, uh, um, yeah, he's attacking it from the other perspective. He's like, yes, I, I understand the perspective that you have, but if this doesn't happen – other things don't happen that also impact lives and hurt families and all of that. Mm-hmm. Titanic doesn't go down. They don't learn things from how shipbuilding goes and all of that. It right. does impact future. So yeah, it just it just blew me away the the, the quality of writing. Yep, and the, the fact that they give Jeffrey that kind of perspective on it was it just impressed the hell out of me. Yeah, no, that's uh, a lot to put on us. Uh, Again, the, the, this is just supposed to be a cheesy, fun, 
please go to the library kind of right. kind of show. And, and it they, turns they out put, it's good. It's good. They put in a lot of effort <laughs> into it. And it's truly disappointing to find out that it only got shit canned because they wanted to get their own new show on. Yeah. That's well, terrible. Well, talk about, you know, going back and fixing history or something like that. <laughs> Had they gone for the second season, John Eric Hexham would very likely still be alive today. Mm. He went on to, uh, this was obviously canceled. He yeah. went on and did uh, the show Cover Up, yeah. where he was playing. It, this was the 80s. So he was a uh, fashion model slash super spy. <laughs> sure. And on set, he was, uh, they were doing a scene. He had a gun. Uh, it was an actual weapon yeah. loaded with blanks. Right. Some scene wasn't going well. They couldn't get it and everything. He was screwing around with the, the, the weapon. Um, I think uh, from what I read, he took out all the rounds but one. Mm-hmm. It was a blank round. Spun it like as in like Russian roulette and put it to his head and pulled the trigger and the blank went off. Well, the blanks contain wads of paper that right, hold yeah. the gunpowder, which ordinarily, if, if, if as long as you're not pointing it away from you, <laughs> it, it, it yeah, they're they're harmless, they're just noisy. But this, of course, wad of paper, he put it to his temple, which is a very sensitive spot, and it broke a, a chunk of his skull and shoved it into his brain mm. and he died at the hospital. And it is a crime that this happened. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a talk about a tragedy and you wish you had an Omni to go <laughs> back and, and fix this because I think yeah, this no. is wrong. <laughs> right, yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, not to make light of it, but yes, indeed, if they had renewed it, that was not a circumstance he would have been in. So yeah. It's... That's a little heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's very heavy. And it's very unfortunate. I remember it was maybe a year or two ago. I I didn't remember that. I remembered the show cover up vaguely. Vaguely. Um, I didn't remember that it was him right. that uh, that began uh, the show. And I think I did one of those. One of those. I wonder whatever happened to and did that quick little Google search and then went. Oh, <laughs> the funny thing is, I've heard that story. And didn't know that that was him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just filled in a blank for me. Because <laughs> uh, that was one of the things I didn't get to, uh, because we were watching these straight up till tonight. Um, I didn't get it. And since I've been on the road getting here, I didn't do a lot of the research I would normally do. And so I, I didn't get to look at, where. so what's he doing now? Where? And now I feel absolutely terrible that I didn't know. That, that he had gone on and uh, and that he had died like that because he had he had star written all over him. Um, oh, I definitely could have seen por- him. His portrayal in that voice alone could have done voice work forever. Oh, or, or his eyes. <laughs> I I'll, I'll admit it. I'm watching some of these shows and sometimes he's looking at the camera and I just. <laughs> I, I believe we had m- somebody uh, uh, on Facebook uh, comment about him as well because. <laughs> Because, yeah, he, he's a pretty, pretty, pretty man. There's a reason they let him with his shirt open most of the time. Yeah, too. no, he's a very <laughs> handsome man. And he's got those beautiful, like, light blue eyes mm-hmm. that are just, I mean, it goes beyond. No, he's old Hollywood. He, he, he yeah, he had the look and the sound. And... There's, there's making eye contact and there's being locked into eye contact. <laughs> but that's what I wanted to get to about both of them. Uh, all the whining aside for, for Jeffrey's character uh 
Um, these two clicked. They had a fantastic they, chemistry. They had an amazing chemistry. Like you, you could have convinced me that they were somehow related to each other or something. They, they locked. They, it was easy. That's why I didn't have a hard time with the whole premise that Jeffrey loved Phineas, and, and he has as much as said that he said that in in a few episodes, but. But that instant lock, that happened in the very first episode, and it stuck. And it was very good. It made that show so much better, even. I'm, I'm tremendously disappointed that they didn't carry it on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was some comments uh, I posted on the, the Facebook group that we were going to be watching it. Uh, Billy Flynn loved this show, all caps. Mm-hmm. Uh, never missed it as a goofy kid. And I don't blame you, Billy. Cause, yeah, uh, I didn't. It, there's no shame in loving this because i i do now <laughs> no I, I i loved it then and it's just one of those things it di- it disappeared and it, it, like we talked about I, we're not sure it ever got picked up anywhere else um chris cooling of the um forgotten tv podcast who's getting ready to do a big uh, episode on matthew the powers of matthew star okay. i don't know if you remember that show uh he said in fall of 1982 voyagers took the time slot of sundays at seven six central the powers of Matthew Starr would have been given this slot fall of 81. And note that the SSC required this time slot to feature educational content. Mm-hmm. If it was a scripted entertainment program, competitors were 60 Minutes and Ripley's Believe It or Not. So Ripley's Believe It or Not was considered educational programming. Uh, Matthew Some Starr, of it was true sometimes. Matthew Starr, which had been delayed an entire year due to multiple reasons as the most unlucky TV program in history, took Friday's 8-7 Central. And you can see vestiges of the original intended time slot in the early Matthew Starr scripts where characters expound on light refraction and Roy G. Biv and Alvarez's hypothesis and what EKG and EEG tests are. Both series were on the bubble and went to reruns in mid-December with NBC renewing both for remaining full seasons. So that's interesting. So had Matthew Starr taken that time slot, it would be the education. They'd be doing all the science education Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And maybe you'd have the star of that show, you know, telling you to go to the local library or something. <laughs> Chris Cree, she says, I totally watched this. And it was for the history and adventure, not the gorgeous John Eric Hexen. <laughs> maybe I also watched The Powers of Matthew Starr, but don't remember as well. Mostly I just remember that it was fun and a kid and an adult went on adventures in time where they fixed things. Well, that's pretty much the, the tall the and gist. skinny of it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Chris Cullen also pointed out that there's a lot of background information on the old Voyager's guidebook website, which is no longer uh, in a, online, but you can poke around on the archived uh, Wayback Machine over at archive.org. I'll have that link in the show notes. I Man. did go click it around, and it is fun. There's a little, a few um, bits of trivia, and uh, you can get some plot synopsis and descriptions of things and whatever. It's worth It's worth checking out. I think I came across that as we were trying to select episodes. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the, uh, the, uh, actually the clip show was uh, one of the better rated episodes. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. <clears throat> it would be a great, I mean, I think that was about mid-season, and it's a great kind of jumping in point. If you hadn't watched it up to that point, that would be a great opportunity to kind of get in and continue on through the rest of the season. Well, and that that was formulaic to the 80s anyways. Uh your first your 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 first season uh you always had a clip show at the mid to late season 
Even Next Gen did that. <laughs> Inexpensive as this series must have been for Universal, right. that must have cost nothing. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We 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 need a courtroom set, and that's it. We got to pay our <laughs> actors. That's it. <laughs> Show up. We can do this in a day. The rest of it's in editing. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Really clever. Yeah, I'm so glad we looked at the show. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. I'll, I'll go back. I'm going to be watching I the rest think... of the series. Uh, I, I'll make sure that I'll, I'll g- give yeah, you no, the just, opportunity to. Yeah, please, <laughs> please, just throw it up on there. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why we couldn't revisit this a little later on. We a few. may have to. I mean, we watched five episodes, so we have already We're watched already a, quarter a quarter of the, of the season. <laughs> I did text Tom at one point after I watched a couple episodes. I text Tom. I was like, I'm calling it. We're just talking about Voyagers from now on. (laughs) It's it's really – it's so innocent. It's so much fun. It's so well done. Everything about it screams like it should have gone further than it did. And it just sounds like the politics of the day, the way that – the way that these things ebb and flow when it comes to time slots and all that is the only reason it didn't get to go on. Yeah, it's just so many just unfortunate situations that brought about the end of this thing, and it's just, it kills me. Yeah, and the fact that none of it had to do with its quality or viewership. Yeah, which no. That stings. I that honestly, stings real bad. I'll admit it. I, I was expecting to watch this and see the cheesy show, which is obviously why it didn't last a season. You know, yep. no, 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 it was not the case at all. It no was indication just, as to it, why this. Uh, it was network greed right. or network, um, well, I guess greed. I mean, they definitely had dreams of avarice or something. A, a new show is even cheaper to produce than this. Yeah. It, comes down to that it's it's dollars and cents and if they did if they smelled blood in the water for 60 minutes that's all it takes somebody goes oh we could do it and then like you said introduce the show none of us have ever heard of (laughs) i did look up amino palouse to see what he's been doing right Um, he has had a a fantastic career he made guest appearances a lot of shows through the 70s and 80s Picking a, pick a, uh, a series that you've watched in the 70s or and 80s. He's probably shown up. He's, he's shown up on there. He's worked as a writer and director. He appeared in a music video. <laughs> um, he worked as a history teacher for, for a time at Hollywood High School. And uh, he returned to film in 98, uh, uh, co-writing and co-producing Wild Horses, also titled Lunchtime Special, with, uh, I, I, he says, sister half-sister Soleil Moon Fry, which oh, I, did, I was not I aware of. And um, he's a photographer uh, with celebrity studio sessions to his credit. So, I mean, he's gone on and had a fantastic career. Yeah. Any chance you want to come back as an aged Jeffrey doing uh, as a Voyager? It's time to come back to television, Mino. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Pick your streaming service. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to see something, even if... This is actually, you know, I guess it just came too early, but this is the type of thing where um, you expect it, okay, we're not going to renew the series or anything now. You know, NBC made a mistake. Right. Oh, clearly. Yeah. And you could see 10 years later, had something like that happened, they would go, okay, we're not actually going to give you a whole new series, but how about a TV movie? Sure. Or two or three. Something to kind of continue it on and wrap right. it up or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because like I'm thinking. Yeah, because like, now uh, I want to revisit because I want to see where they left it. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Kidding. Like I want to see what episode twenty is. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm just thinking like 10 years later, um, Alien Nation with a, a Fox, I guess it was. Right. Um, it, it gets a season and then they go, oh, we're not going to, they, they cancel it for some stupid reason. Right. It was, again, the same, same, it wasn't because the show was badly rated or, or was cheap or anything, right. you know, they just, they wanted to do something else all of a sudden and then realized, oh, that was a really big mistake because what we wanted to do all failed. So here's some TV movies. Right. And then they ended up doing four or five TV movies that were very successful. Sci-fi did the same thing with Farscape. Ah, just thinking Farscape too, right. And they, they cancel it and then realize, oh, we probably shouldn't really cancel that before you got a chance to tell your whole story. So right. have a TV movie so you can finally wrap it up. Babylon. yeah Yeah, Yeah. you can rattle them off but yeah no it would be kind of well at this stage it's gonna be a reboot or nothing but uh, yeah with with one with 50 percent of your cast no longer with us unfortunately (laughs) right and and i don't know that mino would actually sign on on for that but still uh, you could still rewrite and uh, do something with versions of the characters or other voyagers altogether son of phineas bog (laughs) you know which one (laughs) (laughs) from which timeline (laughs) man got around they all get together yeah an amazing series if you have a chance you know go to your (laughs) If you'd like to know more about Voyagers, <laughs> go to your local library. It's all on DVD. It's all on DVD. <laughs> it is a it is a streaming on Amazon for a, a rental. Uh, yeah, you can it's rent like it. a buck ninety nine an episode or yeah. something, or maybe you get it the whole season for ten bucks, twenty bucks, something yeah. like that. Honestly, it's probably it's worth, worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you've paid for worse. Oh, you know absolutely. you have. Yeah. We know we have. Yes. So. No, it's a really fun series, and I'm so glad we uh, we talked about it and visited on this on this series of time travels. This is, yeah, and it no. probably fits better in our time travel series than a lot of the movies that we've talked about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the full intent and all that. I like. Yeah. No, it, it was just so much fun. And I want an <laughs> Omni now so bad. <laughs> well, if I ever see one, I'll. <laughs> hopefully find two <laughs> please please do uh, and we can squabble over who gets the silver one versus the uh, i prefer the beaten up one but uh, yeah no i kind of want the brass one too Stop yep. it. <laughs> like there's only gonna be two of them anyway right. etsy <laughs> but uh yeah i guess that'll do it for this episode i don't have anything else i think we've covered just about everything we can cover on this uh go watch voyager is pretty much all i have to say Yep, and we still have yet to pick what we'll do next. No, we sat down without choosing what we're going to do next, so that will be a surprise for you in a couple weeks. I'll definitely post on the socials as soon as we figure it out. Mm -hmm. But um, thank you very much for listening. If I've got any uh, new listeners just tuning in from Monster Bash or uh, anyone else, you know, welcome. You you jumped on a really great episode. You did. Um, And uh, if you guys have any memories of Voyagers. Uh, or if you've watched it, revisited it recently, uh, you know I'd love to get your uh, your take on it and let you know, tell us what you thought about it. If you watch it after this, come and tell us about it. Absolutely, that's going to do it. We will talk to you in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. See you. <laughs>